When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Millennial Money. In today's video, we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. Primarily, we're going to talk about our top five stocks for 2022. But of course, we've obviously got to talk about J-Pow taking money out of the system. We got to talk about rates, got to talk about inflation. Are we going back to hyperinflation? Is Paul Volcker going to come back to save us? What is going to happen in 2022? And so with that, uh, welcome back to Millennial Money. And how do we want to start this one off? Uh, Jeremy, what's, what's going to happen? Well, first off, we want to start out by welcoming you back, Kevin. We all missed you. The audience missed yeah. you. Man. We love you on the episodes each week. So happy to see you back. And um, I, I'm happy to hear what you got to say about the Fed because everybody's debating the Fed. I try not to pay any attention to the Fed. I'm like, I hear Fed and I'm like, mm. but I'm actually interested. What's the Fed up to uh, the latest moves here that you're seeing out there, uh, Mr. Kevin? Oh, put on the glasses. <laughs> All right. What's, yeah. what's the, the Fed glasses. update? Yeah, I mean, so uh, look, um, Jay Powell was in, in uh, Congress today. Uh, testifying to get to his, his confirmation of appointment from uh, reappointment from Joe Biden. And uh, basically, regular talking points. You get folks like Elizabeth Warren going, you guys are insider trading. You're the scum of the earth. You get Elizabeth Warren saying things like, hey, you're the most dangerous person that exists because it's Republican people like you who end up making or setting the economy up for a bubble and then we end up crashing. Kind of uh, reference, obviously, the 2008 uh, under George W. Bush. Uh, and, and so there's no winning her over. Then you get all the Republicans who are complaining, hey, why is inflation so high? And really what they're trying to do is they're just trying to throw Democrats under the bus for a Biden administration existing during a time of high inflation, potentially contributing to it, whatever. Uh, and so uh, Jay Powell actually said something very interesting while he was up. Uh, the, and this, in my opinion, was, was the biggest takeaway of what he said. He said uh, and acknowledged that inflation had lasted longer than usual, uh, it longer lasting and more persistent than expected, which is everyone's dream. But anyway, not with inflation. But anyway, with inflation uh, was uh, this is what they're acknowledging. They uh, they realize jobs are coming back. But the big takeaways this right here, he says to the to get to the kind of very strong labor market we want with high participation. It is going to take a long-term expansion. And this set the stock market on a U-turn. Uh, in my opinion, that was the one line that set the stock market on U-turn uh, towards a more positive direction because it said, hey, Jay Powell's not this evil guy who's trying to come in, taking away all the juice from the party, the punch from the party. He's just trying to clean up the mess a little bit, get us back on the straight and narrow, and uh, hopefully we can, we can rein in inflation while still being the strongest economy in the world so that's what's the your, whole what's your punch bowl analogy kev the punch bowl analogy do it what, punch bowl analogy okay so my full punch bowl analogy from from the earlier live stream was that uh picture you're you're at a, a party and there's a dance floor and then you got the punch bowl you know at the, at the dance floor whatever just outside the dance floor mm. and uh the the punch bowl 
is our economy and you've got some inflation that's spilled over. And so J-Pow's coming over with a rag, getting in the way of people, cleaning up the excess inflation. He's like, hey, 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 party's still going. In fact, we got 100 people at the party right now, like workers. We really want to get to 125 people here. So we want to increase participation on the dance floor here. I'm just doing a quick little cleanup, y'all. It's all good. That, that's sort of my analogy for, for the way I envision what Powell's trying to do. Now, he's a clumsy dude. So, you know, he could knock it all over the table. And and uh, and if the punch bowl crashes and, and the glass shatters, we're shutting the party down and, and we go into recession, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm optimistic that he's going to be capable of cleaning up the punch without screwing up too badly. Let me ask you guys this question. I would love to hear from, from each of you guys. How many rate hikes do you think we should have in 22. Let's say you were Fed chair uh, for for the next year. How many how many rate hikes are you doing? Yeah, you know what? I would be concerned uh, that it's almost going to depend on how the stock market performs. And what's interesting is that when I looked into this, 2018. Uh, yeah, I think it was 2018. The end of 2018, they started uh, really raising rates and and being a little bit more vigilant on that. The market reacted so negatively, it went down 20%. And with a lot of pressure, they're like, all right, guys, we're actually not going to do as many rate hikes as we said. And then six to eight months later, they're like, actually, we're going to lower rates now. So mm. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they raise rates a little bit, test the waters. If the market reacts negatively, you're going to say, oh, okay, guys, we're just going to do a little bit. And then we're going to take a wait and see approach. The market's going to go back up. They might do another rate hike, and if the market goes down, they'll be, oh, hey, guys, actually, uh, we'll, we'll reverse that. We'll undo that. That's what I think. I think it's all going to depend on what the market does and, and how much pressure uh, the Fed gets. That's what mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, that's a great question. I do think that it's hard to balance the difference between, like, populism and what should be done. So I don't know. What, what, what should be done is uh, what, how much were they scheduled to do five, right? Or up to five is, is like three. kind of the schedule. Is. I thought it was between three to five. So somewhere up. up, up yeah. There. Now there's a lot of talk of four. And then Jamie Dimon came out, uh, who's the CEO of, of Chase. And he said um, he expects more than four now. So now there's an expectation of four, potentially more than four. But go ahead, Andre. Yeah, I, I don't know how to balance the difference between like what should be done versus the populism approach, because like if you are Jerome Powell and if you are the Fed, the last thing you want to do is be that guy that just crashed the markets. Right. So you have to kind of play to the market either way. It's going to kind of depend up to all of us how we respond to that. That's kind of what I think it's going to depend on, too. Hundred percent. I'm thinking. I'm thinking personally. Probably two rate hikes, maybe a third in there. I don't think there's. You know, all this four talk. I think it's great for the market, though. I love that everybody's talking about four rate hikes. I love Jamie Dimon coming out talking about there's going to be more than four rate hikes because now the market's prepped for really a worst case scenario, right? The market's thinking, oh my gosh, they might raise rates four times, five times. Oh my gosh. And now if we only raise, let's say, twice or three times. Now, all of a sudden, that's kind of like a bullish thing for the markets, right? Um, Kevin, how many times would you raise rates uh, in 22? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's all going to come down to uh, inflation. And, you know, what's funny is uh, I'll, I'll circle right back to that. I just wanted to say Graham and I, we were at uh, this Driven conference in September of 2018. Uh, Graham, uh, that's when you met Cardone. <laughs> and right. uh, Yeah. yeah. And sure. and before you came, because I think you came halfway through that day, uh, the morning, right when they opened up, I sat down by the registration era, uh, area and I remember taking out my iPhone and sitting there live streaming. This is what the Fed just said in September of 18. <laughs> and it's so weird to think that was three and a half years ago. But I remember that because it was it was dramatic, you know. The, like you said, Graham, the market had uh, it was was uh, starting to to draw down. The real estate market had shifted down substantially. Yeah. They were very aggressive, not only aggressive with rates, but also tightening, you know, offloading bonds and, and taking cash out of the system. Two thousand eighteen was was not a great year, uh, and you're right, the the U-turn, and so it'll be interesting. So on that note, uh, I think it, uh, everything's going to come down to inflation. I don't think we're really going to expect to see some more normal levels of inflation until probably March, April, May. Uh, hopefully that's when we actually get like the real kind of curve. Uh, right now, markets are still anticipating we're actually still on, on the tick up. 
that we're slowing our acceleration. It's kind of like we're still hitting the gas, but kind of like getting ready to let our foot off. And uh, and, and when we let that foot off, we want to see that turn in like the next three or four months. And it's all gotten delayed because of COVID. Delta delayed the whole inflation factor probably four or five months with supply chain yeah. constraints. Then you had Omicron now delaying issues. FedEx complaining about how they can't get enough workers to fly on planes and, and, to, and to load freight onto planes. It's ridiculous because everybody's calling out sick. So to answer the question, Jeremy, I, I think it's it depends on inflation. So I think March is a guaranteed rate increase. I think May is a guaranteed rate increase. The taper is going to be done by March. So tapers done March. They instantly raise rates once. Uh, so to uh, 0.25 to 0.5, then 0.5 to 0.75 in May. And then the next one, which I think is, I'm not sure if the calendar, I think in July is the next one. July could be a wait. They might say, let's wait. And that could give us a nice three to four months where hopefully inflation starts coming in at like, okay, we're only going up three or 4% inflation wise. We're not going to 10% inflation because if all of a sudden inflation went to 10%, the Fed's just going to go F it, raise, raise hike. Uh, you know, they're, they're just going to raise the rates like this and, and forget about five rate hikes. They'll just raise them one to 2% as opposed to a quarter at a time. You know, they'll skyrocket the rates just like they plummet them right at the beginning of COVID. So uh, it's all going to come down to that inflation number. And that's how that works. I'm going to say the follow-up question is, what do you guys think that uh, December's numbers will be? So, so they're reporting tomorrow, right? But for December, not for January. So for inflation, uh, yeah. So, what do you guys guess the rate will be? I'm going to say it's in the in the low to mid seven percent range for tomorrow. Hmm. I haven't really put much time into it. It's definitely going to be somewhere around there, roughly. Um, I would say probably Andre, but um, yeah, I don't pay too much attention to it. I, I do feel like inflation is going to come way down in 22. I will say that as we go throughout the year, but well, I don't know if Graham and you guys got a estimation. Have we really seen that much upward pressure over the last few months? I feel like we really haven't. I feel like rents have certainly gone up. It seems like maybe payroll has gone up a little bit, but Kevin, I mean, you would probably be the most in it in terms mm. of the info that, that you've researched. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, look, uh, the expectation, this was interesting last month. Uh, so in December, we reported 6.8% compared uh, for November. As of yesterday, the market was expecting a 7.1% bump uh, in CPI read. So 7.1% year over year inflation read with 0.4% for month over month. They've actually revised that down to a flat seven. So that inflection point was a little interesting to see the market kind of like, oh, okay, maybe it's going to be a little bit cooler. That could be because of energy prices. Uh, it could be, you know, wages still came in kind of strong, a little bit more inflationary than we thought. So uh, I don't I don't know what the market's thinking, but uh, look, here's what I wrote down. If, if we get a number that's over 7.2, 7.3%, I think we're going to have a bloody freaking day tomorrow. And I wrote down, rally if if the year over year number comes in under 6.7 or month over month under or equal to 0.2 i think we go rally small caps potentially start taking off alibaba shift tattooed chef lemonade you know all the the losers right now unfortunately uh that that are the small caps and that that's not to slam you jeremy uh, you know I, I want these things to do well too okay uh, I, uh but it's just it's just small caps have been getting screwed because they've been they've been the hedge uh, I think the hedges then start unwinding because uh, inflation fears start going away. Now, now Kevin, how much of um, the Fed's kind of uh, like management of people's perception of inflation depends on like, because like if you think about it, if you're saying like, oh, if it's in 6.7%, like that's still kind of ridiculously high, right? So yeah. do you think that part of what they say in terms of like, oh, don't worry, our expectations, whatever, seven. And it's like, if it comes below that, oh, that's great. But like, is it though? Like six and a half, is that really a good number? Yeah. Like, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, the, the Fed's expectation, uh, the only thing that they really tell us is, I think it's 2.8% by the end of 2022. That's all they tell us. The 7% I gave is actually just what, what Wall Street thinks right now. So sorry, mm. I wasn't clear about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it is, there's there's no kidding inflation has been high and prices have gone up and corporations have all had a lot of pricing power but here's what matters is our price is going to go up again and that's the thing to look at right it's kind of like hey prices on used cars you go in to buy a prius right now should be 35 grand 
you look at the sticker, it's usually supposed to be 35 grand, $1,000 destination fee. So 36 grand. Then you negotiate off of that. You walk out of there with a Prius for $33,000, you know, 3K off sticker or whatever. Uh, that's normal. Okay. Today it says 35 plus one. Then it says plus two for dealer service fees plus 10 for shortage fee. So all of a sudden it's 47 or $48,000 for a Prius. That's really only worth like 33. And they're like, yeah, maybe we can negotiate a grand off of that right now. And so that's all the inflation that we've seen because of the, the chip shortages or whatever. And so the question is prices went up already. Can they go up again? Right. It's, it's like, can you go 10% and then 10% again, year over year? Probably not. And then that's where we're going to start seeing the, the inflection point down. Mm. Hundred percent. Not sure if you guys tracked the markets today and saw some of these moves. Uh, stock market's getting interesting. So Russell yeah. was up, you know, maybe one percent today. And I'll read you off some of these moves in some of these stocks. Oatly was up thirteen percent. Fubo TV was up nine percent. Lemonade up eight point six percent. Honest was up six percent. Robinhood was up five percent. Teladoc up five percent. PayPal up five percent. It's it's insane, like how much a small move in the index, so Nasdaq being up one percent, a little over one percent, and Russell being up one percent, and how much those stocks move, just based upon a move like that. And um, it makes you think. Like, imagine a scenario where the Russell just goes up ten percent this year, right? Which would not be a great year for the Russell. Imagine where some of these stock prices go over the next year. Never mind if the Russell somehow double, double to triple, dude. Yep. <laughs> Well, I think that just goes to show you how big of an impact both interest rates and inflation have on these companies. And if mm. interest rates are going to be rising much faster than expected, it's going to impact the value. And same thing also occurs when interest rates don't rise, rise slower than expected. If he takes a more easy approach with it, these companies could do really well. Yeah, yeah I agree. You know, a lot of it comes down to, and Kathy, Kathy Wood in her latest comment, she was talking a lot about algo trade and algorithms. And you look at the market right now and it's like, <laughs> it does make you think because sometimes, you know, you see a day like yesterday when the market sold off ridiculous at the open. And it was like, who is selling these stocks? Like, seriously, like who's who's selling? Like, I don't know anybody that's out there selling the chef at 13 something yesterday and honest yeah. at six. And and it's like, who's selling? Like, seriously. And so you just get in this like ridiculous market. Um where things get very, very irrational. And at this time last year, we were in a very irrational market on the other side, right? It was all about euphoria and the next stock going to the moon. It was, it was literally a 180 from what this market is today. And it's just been, it's been interesting to see how it's played out. And I, I see kind of two things happening in the market in regards to retail investors. It's kind of the, a group that's like, oh man, is this finally going to end? And then there's a group that's like, feels like, Every every time the stocks go up, they're just going to go back down and it's going to get worse because you're getting this like self-fulfilling prophecy of a new 52 week low after new 52 week low. And then it bounces back and then a new 52 week low. And so this is that moment in the market where there's disbelief that any rally should be bought. And if anything, the rally should be sold. Doesn't mean it's right. Usually that's a sign that you're close to a bottom. But um, it's just mm. interesting kind of seeing the psychology. Why has tat uh, Tattoo Chef bottomed out so hard recently? Is it just yeah, that goes for every small cap stock pretty much in the market. Small caps. Yeah. yeah. Small caps. And I think this needs to be said two thirds or actually as of yesterday, over two thirds of the stock the stocks in the NASDAQ are in a bear market, meaning they're down more than 20 percent from their 52 week high, which is extraordinary when you think about that. Uh, because we don't feel like we're in a bear market if you just look at the raw index. Right. But it's just being held up by the biggest of the big companies are holding this whole roof up. And meanwhile, everything else has just been devastated in the market. It's hard to say you haven't had a, uh, a you know, a stock market crash when there's two thirds plus of the stocks that are basically in a bear market, right? It's been extraordinary. By the way, Kevin, I think you froze, sir. Oh, yeah. Uh, how about now? Oh, there you go. Oh, you're back. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. It's so like hmm. if I there I have this little window if and it's it shows my little playing window. If I for whatever reason that gets put into the background my camera just freezes it's like so weird <laughs> weird yeah no kevin just yeah. pauses the screen on purpose and then he like writes cranks out a video <laughs> just, yeah i'm actually secretly just filming another video <laughs> guys the uh, fed just said this but no jeremy i uh, yeah i think what was it i i think it was 40 percent of the nasdaq is down 50 percent or more 40 mm. percent it's Wow. It's high. I think I think I saw that on Bloomberg. But yeah. 
I gave an yeah. analogy recently. Uh, you, you know, you ever seen one of those sinkholes? It's like imagine the street, like you got the, the the pavement kind of holding it up, but everything else it has eroded. That reminds me of the stock market right now. It's like Apple and Microsoft are like the asphalt holding things together. <laughs> Meanwhile, underneath, just everything's been destroyed. Yeah. So, to anyone, so to anyone who's invested in a lot of um, small caps, what would be a couple catalysts that we should pay attention to for like the inverse? Yeah, so I think, the, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them, and I'd love to hear your perspective too, Kevin. I think one is going to be this upcoming earnings. Um, earnings start coming out here at the end of January in terms of the big part of the earnings season going into February. I think everybody's going to be paying attention to not just what numbers the companies reported in this past quarter, but what guidance is. Because this is the quarter when usually companies give their, their annual guidance of what they're going to do for numbers over the coming year, right? That's going to be really, really key to give confidence to the market and to investors and to funds that like, hey, it's not the end of the world, we're gonna do this, right? I think that's a big catalyst. Um, I think throughout the year, if the Fed doesn't raise as rapidly, I think that could be good. And overall, I think just um, some stability out there. I think that's kind of the big thing in terms of the Russell and the Russell mm -hmm. just getting back on the right tracks. So love to hear from you, you what you got to say, Kevin. Yeah, you know, I, well, first of all, it, when you were saying uh, who's selling, I, I just wrote down it's it's the the weenie babies, the, the fear sellers, right? Uh, and and to some degree, there's not necessarily a fault uh, in in I think this the the it's certainly algorithms, 100% it's the algorithms. It's just short the the small caps, uh, profitless tech, short sell, get rid of whatever. Uh, but also you get the fear sellers and these these are folks who think and this is a it's always a risky hedge sometimes it works it's the belief that well i'll sell now wait for it to fall more and then buy back in when we get a little bit of a rotation right but usually what happens is they miss the boat because the rotation comes and they get back in too late and they end up increasing their cost bases not lowering it anyway uh as far as what i think is happening and this uh, Andre question of catalyst for small caps. I drew this picture. Uh, I just, just drew this and I think it's a good one. Uh, but then again, I'm complimenting my, my own drawing here. So, uh, here it is. Uh, okay. So my, my belief is that right now, uh, we are right, uh, here in, in this, this area right here. And we're kind of at this max fear. And I believe the market thinks that, uh Oh, rate hikes are over here. Oh no. That's when everything's going to hit hit the, the fan. You know, all the poo-poo is going to hit the fan right there at X marks the spot. Mm -hmm. So you're getting all this selling now thinking we're going to go. The crisis mode is going to be as soon as rates go up, that's it. Party's over. That's that's what people think. Uh, when the reality is probably we might have a little bit of fear left in us right here, this orange line. Uh, this orange line is, is my expectation is that we might have a little bit more fear to go. This dotted red being markets expectations, us being kind of right here. Uh, we might have a little more fear to go, but I think by the time rates actually come, we're probably going to be at a very low fear market. And all of a sudden people are going to be like, wait a minute. Well, I thought the market was going to crash when rates go up. Now it's zooming FOMO in. And this is where you get a re <laughs> really weird, crazy spring summer rally because it's the opposite of expectations always. Well, yeah, and I think I think there's I think there's a few things people should to take away from that. One is um, when when you're thinking about the markets, the market usually, if they know something's coming, that's already been priced in, right? People yeah. know rate hikes are coming, so that's been priced in. The only time you get the market to sell off on a news event is if it's like a shocking news event, like let's say when the Rona crash happened, right? It was overnight, no one knew it was coming, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, we're gonna shut down the whole economy, right? So I think that the other thing I take away, Kevin talks about, you know, uh, some folks trying to time the market or get in and out, whether that's fund managers, individual investors. You know, I, I got a story of a, a close friend of mine and um, he sold out of all his stocks in uh, about the first week of March of 2020, because obviously at that time stocks were tanking and he thought he was you know, going to play it right. And he's like, we're going to go way down, way more, sold out of Tesla, sold out of everything. Well, mm -hmm. he looked like a genius for two weeks. He really did. Right. <laughs> And then the market bottom and it started going up. And then it was like, well, it's going to go back down. It's going to go back down. And then it never yeah. went down. Right. And he ended up buying back into positions that were 50%, 75% above where he was at. And if he had just held through the mess, he would have been fine. And so that's why, you know, some folks ask me like, well, what if this stock goes down at this price and that price? I'm like, fine. If, if it goes down the short term, it goes down the short term. I'm playing this from a long-term perspective. It is what it is. Right. 
So, Andre, I got, I got a question for you in regards to the Fed because I know we were talking about the Fed earlier. Obviously, you know, Bitcoin recently, I think, was was at like 41K. A lot of people are blaming Bitcoin going down on the Fed. And I just thought that was interesting because I understand in the crypto community, a lot of people like don't want anything to do with the Fed. Like the Fed's almost somewhat of an enemy of the crypto community. Is that is, is that an accurate statement? And so it almost feels a little weird to even try to pin any weakness on Bitcoin or crypto on the Fed. Uh, just kind of your perspective on that. Well, my understanding, and I could be wrong, but it, if if the Fed increases interest rates, right, and 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 if uh, bond interest rates go up, it it makes the safe investments like the, the dividend yields, uh, the dividend stocks, you know, their yields go up, everything goes up. It, it makes people that are risk takers be like, well, you know, maybe maybe I should back off and go more into like the non-risk, you know, non-risky approach here, and so they sell off. And yeah, I could I could see how that there, there's a little bit of a dynamic there. I don't really yeah, follow it. I, I'm, I'm still in like I don't let the Fed dictate my market actions because like you said if you're going to try to sell a stock like you could be right and look like a genius but you have to be right twice because not only do you have yeah. to sell you have to buy back in and no one knows when you have to buy back in at the right time so even though I, I, I might be able to know what's going to happen in a very small short term based on a Fed move I have no idea what the market psychology might be because like Kevin said it's almost always the exact opposite of what you think is going to happen it's the exact opposite. So it's like, I just, I can't make sense of any of it. And I just don't try to time it at all. So yeah, there was a study out there that, uh, that I mentioned in a video, I think, yeah, yesterday that, uh, did a study with investors and they broke them down into two categories. One, when interest rates were zero and they could make a risky investment at a 5% return, but it's risky or when interest rates were 5% and they could make a risky investment at a 10% return. So in both cases, you're going from like zero to five or five to 10. The difference is still the same 5%. One is not risky, one is risky. They found that when, when interest rates were lower, the investor put 70% of their portfolio in riskier assets to make up for it. When interest rates were higher, they felt like they didn't need to take the extra risk. So going from five to 10 is not at all as significant as going from zero to five. That's a lot bigger. So I think that if interest rates go up, people are going to take less risk because why would they want to take more risk when they could get, you know, a guaranteed return being a little bit safer. Yeah. So, speaking of that, you get like a guaranteed 15, let's just say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Jeremy, it's, it's interesting. Cause like the, the psychology kind of doesn't make sense. It's like, well, okay. So the fed increased rates by 1%. Now you're telling me all of a sudden people are selling like their 10% yielding. Like that makes no sense, but I, I I don't think it's so much that people are fleeing to the bond market as much as they are towards like other, I don't know, fixed income assets, maybe like the dividend stocks or something like that, which I don't know, something else. But I don't see people fleeing to bonds. But speaking of those interest rates, did you guys see the mortgage rates went up that the on the 30 year uh, fixed mortgage rates? Why did they already go up if the Fed didn't already increase it? Is that just because of like anticipation of of the sell-off if people are just selling off and it's right. driving prices lower and increasing the yields. Um, I don't know if you guys yeah. saw that, like mortgage it's rates the, going uh, up. The mortgage rates tend to closely follow the 10 year the treasuries 10 and yeah. they've, they've gone from like 1.4 to uh, 1.8. And, and, but yeah. it is, you know, if you just pull up the little interest rate chart, yeah, you're right. Nice little bump of uh, about half a percent there, which, you know, that's about huge. a 5% headwind to real estate prices. Yeah. yeah. If that That's could come back down. I've seen with a lot of these things, the mortgage rates are the first to rise up as with 10-year treasuries. People yeah. get adjusted to them a little bit. Then they tend to normalize a little bit. But I think we may have very well already seen the bottom for mortgage rates. Yeah. Is that just people front running their bonds and they're just selling it? Because they're like, oh, my God, the Fed's going to offload their balance sheet. I better sell it off yes. before prices tank. Oh, my God. They're just Well, it's, it's not only uh, selling the bonds. It's also shorting the bonds. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. In anticipation that the Fed's going to run off their balance sheet, uh, the, the the thing, the sort of countervalence to all of this is um, foreign buyers. You know, mm -hmm. where what 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 other sovereign debt can you buy right now? Like government debt, can you buy? What go, think about a government whose debt you can buy that is relatively risk free that even gives you any kind of yield? You go mm -hmm. to Europe, you're negative. You go to Japan, yeah. you're negative. You go to China. You're you're betting on Evergrande almost to to some degree, right? And and, and the madness yeah. of China. So you go to Brazil, you got ten percent inflation, and 
the odds are that it's actually not transitory, right? So, uh, you know, that makes the U.S. bonds pretty attractive and actually helps strengthen the dollar, which kind of Kevin, the U.S. economy. do you know, or anyone in the chat, have you guys have heard of the um, milkshake theory? Mm -mm. Is that like no. the Big Mac? Big Mac index. No, 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 no. Is that the, like I, is, not, is that like my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard and they're like and they're like <laughs> tattooed tattooed chef. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not super qualified to speak on it, but the, the milkshake theory sort of uh, represents like the opposite thinking in terms of like how after inflation and quantitative easing, people like Peter Schiff, right, like the gold bugs, they're like, ah, oh, you know, the power of the dollar is eroding away, and the Fed's just like printing more money, and the dollar's going to go collapse. And the milkshake theory is like the exact opposite of that. It, it's saying that by by flooding the market, um, it's actually by flooding the market with more money, you're strengthening the dollar. Because as Kevin said, it's all the international buyers that are like, where do I get any yield? And their currencies are relative, you know, negative to the dollar. And so his argument is that the dollar just kind of absorbs like like Bitcoin, where it's like sucking up all the bad currencies. The dollar is going to do the, have the same effect on all these other currencies around the world. So by inflating the monetary supply, it's actually strengthening the dollar, not weakening it. So it's the complete opposite sort of approach. Um, it's really interesting. I am just starting to learn about it, but it's kind of cool. We'll look into it if you haven't heard about it. Hmm. Thanks. Absolutely. By the way, I want to say uh, we, we need to say this. And thank you, everybody that always joins us every Tuesday night. We appreciate you guys. Much love as always. Thank you, everybody that's in the members chat. We see you guys. We appreciate you. And uh, somebody in the chat, they said, um, well, uh, they're late. And then somebody else said, well, they're always late. So, you know, expect to be late. So we, we, we try, man. We try. Yeah. We gotta try starting exactly at six. Usually we start around like 610, give or take 605. We should try exactly at six for next week. Yeah. But yeah, thank you. You want to see us do that, by the way. All you need to do is subscribe right now, and that'll hold us accountable. Just subscribe. Yeah. It takes you a quick I'm second to do. And then if we're a minute late, you could call us out in the comments. Yeah. Fair point. Do, do they get a free stock, Graham, from, from a link below? <laughs> yeah, you I, know I what? Listen, so. public, public has been a fantastic sponsor for us. They're not sponsoring this episode at all but they may as well be they're a platform that all of us use so you know what just we're gonna link them down below in the description anyway you may as well you get your free stock there they've been great we'd highly recommend them and you could follow yeah, us all on there if you want to see what we're buying yeah and you need to subscribe to millennial money clips <laughs> then you're a real true fan if you've subscribed to that channel so by the way quick quick thing have you guys um seen uh, or do you guys follow the uh, Unusual Whales account on Twitter? I just sent you guys a breakdown of something he, he posted recently, which was fascinating. And it outlines a bunch of the people in Congress that are uh, buying stocks right ahead of kind of uh, like policy. And it shows the top performing politicians in Congress that are ahead of the S&P 500. It's, it's so interesting. It's, it, it, it's like you can make an entire video breaking down this whole thing. Wow. Yeah, that's funny. He's uh, he sent me that uh, a DM of that on Twitter. I think it was it was like last night or something like that. It's it yeah. is very interesting. <laughs> but yeah, really it's cool. like uh, I like we could pull up the TLDR here, uh, and, and it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, let's see, the TLDR is right here. Oh, and thank you. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm looking All right. So... TLDR, hundreds of millions of dollars have been exchanged on the stock market by elected officials in 2021 and just stocks. Congress bought and sold nearly $290 million throughout the year. Congress beat the market. The report shows which sectors were preferred by each party and branch. Oftentimes, huge trade amounts could be attributed to one or two members. Big legislative events, such as the infrastructure bill getting passed, were often preceded by politicians trading in the sectors affected. There were tons of unusual trades where politicians made millions of dollars. Congress has 45 days to disclose to the public. Sometimes they are late, and you could see a list of late disclosures. 
Some politicians held securities in sectors they vocally expressed support for, such as senators holding crypto while drafting crypto regulations. And the report highlights many of these unusuals. So it's it, it is it's an interesting piece, uh, you know, like right before certain, uh, you know, bills get yeah. passed. It's like, oh, somebody bets all of us. I think somebody sold like $250,000 of Microsoft yeah. two weeks before Microsoft was about to lose this contract, uh, which which dropped the stock price or whatever. So it's, it's interesting. It, it's yeah. It gets a lot of people upset, like, oh, Congress shouldn't be trading or buying stocks. And you can get that, get that whole Elizabeth Warren thing. But yeah. I don't think the case i don't think they should not be allowed i just think that they should have to require like immediately to disclose it yeah like the moment that it happens not not 24 you know hours later but like the moment of yeah i did yeah. a lot of research into this today because it seems like nancy pelosi is becoming this you know investing meme all you got to do yeah. is copy nancy pelosi and pelosi ETF. <laughs> yeah and you know what it was it's interesting so since 2008 her and her husband have done incredibly well in the market. And there have been a few questionable trades there about, uh, you know, making a lot of money with Visa stock by getting it right before legislation, uh, you know, failed to go into the, the house for voting. Visa did really well. It's been quite a few things like that. But what's interesting, 2019 beat the market. 2020 beat the market by, uh, I think it was like 20%. She made like $16 million in 2020. 2021, though, they uh, underperformed the S&P 500 by 15.5%. In Wait, what? Hold on. Are you yeah. sure? Because this report right here says she is number six in the lead, far ahead of the SPY, according to this report. The only thing I could think of, if we look at by like per year from the research that I've done, 2021, she underperformed. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe they're taking into account all the Her profit she made something? in the previous few years. And then carrying that forward. So if you're looking at an average of the S&P, maybe that's it. That's it. Mm, maybe they're taking data with like her husband or something and making it. No, no, no. The, the trades include her husband. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Maybe this report excludes him. And then she looks like a he's rock making star. The he's making the majority of the trades. Almost all of oh, them that were reported show us her spouse. <laughs> she's probably she like comes home. She's like, hey, honey, here's what happened. And he's like, yeah, tell it. Keep going. Tell me more. <laughs> like, this is not insider trading if you don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but that's why she's also openly said when she's been questioned about this, she has a very easy, uh, you know, I, I just alibi uh, in, in essence by saying, these are my trades. These are my husband's trades. I'm, I'm not the one in control of that. That's what he's doing. And, and in fairness, that's what everyone in Congress is, almost everyone has said, that they have a financial planner who executes those trades. Yeah. So, I mean, who it's knows hilarious. what's happening? I don't understand how that's allowed. Like, I mean, I didn't press the button. Like, someone did it for me. Else <laughs> it just, it avoids, it avoids the scrutiny of how did that person know? And you can't question any further. Like, how do you prove otherwise? You, yeah. you don't know. I mean... No one knows how they're beating the market. I mean, I understand if Nancy Pelosi had like a really aggressively, I mean, I actually don't know what her portfolio looks like, but I'm assuming she doesn't have crypto in it. So for someone to beat the S&P 500 by, you know, 20% or whatever it was, like that's that's a lot. Like, I mean, if you have crypto, that, that makes sense. Now here, but when you look at that, those were mostly in a few specific companies, namely Alphabet, NVIDIA, mm. Facebook, um, Gosh, I'm blanking on another one. Uh, Apple, that was Disney. It. So, Disney, oh, Disney. Right. They went all in, a few of the biggest companies. And even though it's, you know, it, in their defense, even though it's easy to think that, oh, you know, they knew something, how many other people are invested in those companies because they use them on a daily basis? They're the biggest companies out there and they, they're not going anywhere. I mean, the, the chance of Apple going bang, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I'm thinking how many other people were invested in those companies as well. Now, had they gone all in on like Zoom, let's say, or like Peloton and then sold that after, then that I think would be more suspicious. These are big companies, especially like a yeah. Google and an Apple. There are a couple instances of that happening, not necessarily with Nancy Pelosi, but a, a couple other people. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think now is a perfect time to announce our sponsor for the day, which is Nancy Pelosi's husbandscourse.com. The course is on sale today for $9.99. It's the best stock trading course ever. Do you want to learn how to outperform the market day in and day? <laughs> oh, my one, goodness. One thing to keep in mind about uh, Pelosi's husband is a lot of their trades 
aren't shares they're options they're yeah. nine to like 14 month options and i'll tell you 2020 options killed it because volatility was high pricing skyrocketed it stayed high long uh i mean it was it was not so 2021 it's been a little tougher so it doesn't surprise me that you see an outperformance in 2020 and an underperformance in 2021 if if that is true, leaning towards the possibility that Graham's uh, report was right versus this one in terms of Nancy Pelosi's twenty twenty one performance, but anyway, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was if it was options because, for example, just what I think two or three weeks ago they disclosed uh, a bunch of options they bought at the money on Roblox at a hundred dollars for September. Well, now it's at eighty four. It was just at eighty five, right? So you're not upside down fifteen percent on that trade. You're probably upside down. 35 40 percent on that trade because you know options mm-hmm. yeah yep outsized moves well guys i think we got to get into some of our top stocks for 2022 i think it's about that time well, what do you got graham maybe we could start at the top and move throughout here yeah so i told myself this year i would be resisting buying individual stocks as, as best as i could and just sticking yeah, I know. Just sticking with the uh, the, the tried and true S and P five hundred because I really looked through. You know, besides me investing in 2020, 2021, I made more money investing in just the S and P five hundred. Um, so I'm I'm looking at that and thinking, you know what, I really shouldn't be spending so much time buying like 50 stocks. But I did end up buying a little bit more SoFi in a low thirteen dollar range because I felt like thirteen bucks may as well Adobe again. And when it dipped, and then honestly, I've been buying mostly S and P 500 and an international uh, uh, index fund. And uh, well, last one when Enphase dropped below 140, I bought more Enphase. There you go. Mm. Let, right. let so, me yeah. ask you. Real- I mean, I, I'm talking like I'm investing like five thousand dollars each in these these individual stocks, but I'm investing you know thirty thousand dollars in the other ones. So let, let me let me. It's small enough. Well, why should I sign up for SoFi? Not that they sponsor this video, but like, like, what is the advantage? Because um, I haven't gotten to dig in on that one yet. Like, I'm trying to figure out. Like, I hear a lot of hype about it, SoFi, SoFi, SoFi. But like, what is what's the big deal with that one? I just think they've they've got their they've got so many tentacles and like so many different areas that I think that business model is going to do quite well. And I I think is is more it seems to be a very millennial focused company and i think that audience will only continue to grow what do you what do you do with them though like do you have you don't they're not like a bank account right like like what is it you play stock trades with them or what's the deal she could do so many things uh like if you go on their website i mean they they have uh you could do loans insurance um i mean yeah you can't you can invest through them but uh, but that's what I was saying. They're, they're just they're so interconnected with almost anything personal finance related. Hmm. OK, interesting. All right. Thank you for those, Graham. All right, Kevin, your turn. You're up next. Ooh, uh, I like uh, I, I still am bullish on uh, advertising going into 2020. Uh, two and now being in 2022 i did sell my google though uh which i is an advertising play for me and, and that's because i threw that into you know like the end phase even or or, or some other stocks so i kind of took took one of the the megas and spread it to where the flames were i kind of mm. felt like even though google's gone down you know what 10 percent or whatever eh, maybe not even quite 10 percent uh I, I spread that to ones that were down like 30 40 percent uh but uh another one uh, that uh, that I actually put this money into was Trade Desk, and, and that's my advertising play. Uh, they uh, they have a, a buying platform, advertising buy platform for both uh, agencies and uh, businesses. They have a crap ton of data. In my opinion, I I might be going a little far to call them the Palantir of advertising, but I see them as the Palantir of advertising. They're profitable, which is great. They're they're expensive. Don't get me wrong. They're uh, for this well, for 2021. So trailing 12. What are they? 85 right now. So divided by 71 as expected. They're selling for about 120 times, which is a lot. Uh, that'll probably go down to like 40 to 50 in 2025 if we looked at a forward. But uh, it's a company that's growing, profitable. It's an advertising play, and I think it'll outperform Google. So uh, I move my money over to Trade Desk. And shout out to them for being a Ventura local, which is where I live, which is also really cool. Uh, just so you know, 
the growth rate is expected to be uh, between uh, 24 and 30 percent for the uh, next four years. And their uh, their net margins, which I really love this, their net margins. So like at, like not not even EBITDA, like after taxes, everything uh, is about 30 percent, which so every dollar they get 30 cents to the bottom line. Incredible. Mm. Andre, what you got for us? Give us something good, Andre. Quick question. Uh, do you guys remember when everyone was talking about Peloton and how it was going to explode and going to become like the next huge company? And then I remember, Jeremy, you and I were like, I don't know. It feels like another Bowflex. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, I shorted that one. Yeah. Look and at I the never price. They're down 76% in the last yeah. year. What happened? I was just, oh, yeah. people went back to the gyms. <laughs> people started going back to the gyms. And and yeah. the, it was a fad, man. You know, I, I witnessed yeah. it. This, this is why, like, it's really important that people, uh, you know, never get caught up into a bubble and go out there and experience the real world. Because I would, you know, see people that actually bought these Pelotons. And this was before Rona. And what I found is people would buy these Pelotons and they would use them for like a week or two. And then they would just sit in their room. They would never use it. And it's like, hey, when's the last time you rode that thing? And it's got like a, a, a inch of dust on it. And it's like, ah, oh, two months ago, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get back on it. And they just don't even ride it. And now the issue is, from my understanding, uh, people are starting to flood those bikes on like Facebook Marketplace and whatnot now. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. That's yeah, like most gym memberships, though. The same thing. It's like the, you'll you'll buy it and then never use it after a month. Mm -hmm. hey, and most, hey, most I bought a Peloton. You did? Yeah. And now it holds your clothes, Kevin. That's what it does, doesn't it? I, I love Kevin's reasoning for it. He like bought the plaid and he's like, you know, I, I just really want to be close to the product. I want to know like where are they cutting costs? And I'm like, you bought a $150,000 car so you can test the seats and see where they're cutting costs. That's cool. All right. <laughs> I love I, it. Uh, in fairness, my dad has my black X. Uh, okay. So, you know, it works out my, my Model X. And, uh, you know, it worked out. It was an upgrade for him. It's an upgrade for me. I'm, I'm happy about that. But uh, take a look at this. I just pulled up uh, Facebook Marketplace here. Uh, I just typed in Facebook Marketplace, and I, I it must have my zip code. Oh, I might, see, I'm not logged in. It must just be using my IP address to know about where I am. But anyway, uh, look at this. These are all relatively close to me. Santa Barbara, see me. Those are about 30 minutes each direction. So this is probably a 30-minute radius. Hmm. Holy smokers. What's I the mean, there is no short <laughs> This Wait, what's the retail price on those? Uh, they just dropped it to like fourteen hundred dollars or something like that. Mm. Now we're getting to some other things, but let's let's see. One Pel Peloton. Uh, they are now Peloton. But let's just go to the entry level one, fourteen ninety five. Wow. So it's come down like eight hundred bucks. Oh look God. at that, pay monthly or only forty dollars a month. That's right. That's right. And and Peloton. Uh, in order to not oh drop God. their price, uh, Peloton actually pays the interest for you. So they're the ones paying that interest. Uh, and uh, <coughs> the consumer gets with a firm here these choices. You want to pay, you know, for 39, you want to pay your Peloton for 39 months, <laughs> 38 bucks <laughs> a month. And then you could change it or whatever you want, which obviously the point here is they're, they're hoping that when you have this calculator up, look at how easy they make this. Well, if I just finance $2,500, it's only $64. So for $25 more a month, I could get the, the better one or, or whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's all a game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a tough one. And, and I think that's important to, you know, I don't want to make out like I'm, I'm some stock genius because I'm not, right? But if I'm going to make a bet, it has to be on a multi-multi-year uh, cycle with something, right? So like my bet on Tesla in 2018, 2019 was on something that was a multi-multi-year cycle in EVs. It wasn't like it was a fad thing. It's like, this is the way we're going to go. Um, right now, I'm betting heavy on plant-based food companies because this is where I think we're going as Americans. I think we're going to move to plant-based diets over the next decade more and more and more. And so, you know, whatever I'm doing, like it has to it has to have many, many years in front of it. If I look at a failed investment of mine like GoPro, that was very much a Peloton type thing. That was a fad. Right. It was like action cameras were hot and it was a very niche market. And that's like 
it's only going to grow so much, right? It's going to peak out and, and then go down. Uh, folks that bet on Fitbit, for instance, Fitbit was another one of those companies that was a fad type company, right? And uh, they could only grow so much. And then Apple Watch got launched and it just destroyed them. And so if you're going to ever bet on a growth stock, you, it needs to be in a category that is going to have exponential growth for like the next decade plus. And then you got an opportunity. And if you can get the leader or one of the leaders in that market, then then you got a you got a good chance of uh, making some some good money, right? So Jeremy, take that brain of yours and apply it to the financial services industry in crypto. And that's my thesis. That's that's yeah. exactly my thought process. It's and that's a, fair. Yeah. It's not a it's not a one year bet of like, ah, I guess it's gonna double. It's like, well, in 10 years, mm -hmm. what are the chances that it's not gonna become a huge part of the economy in some some form or another? That's that's my that's my bet. Which is to answer your original question, what's my top stocks? For me, the last stock I bought was you know the uh, VTI stock. So it's I'm only buying one stock. I'm not deviating. I'm not trying to pick individual stocks. But I have been trying to uh, speculate, and uh, you guys are going to make fun of me for this in NFTs, right? And uh, so far, I've, I've made out pretty well. Remember when I was showing you guys the um, Spider-Man that I bought for like thirteen thousand, and you guys were roasting me for it? Um, so today, the floor price of that Spider-Man is fifty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Um, Hold on, hold on. That's we're not there yet. Uh, so I bought a doodle. I told Graham about it a couple of days ago, like last week, for eight and a half Ethereum, which at the time was like thirty grand. Um, but Ethereum kind of went down. But as far as like ETH prices go, so I bought a thing called Doodle. It's a it's a new uh, NFT. So it's like the Bored Apes, right? Everyone know everyone knows the Bored Apes. There's a new one called Doodles. I'm not I'm not trying to like shill this. It's it's ridiculously expensive. It's out of reach for most people. So. I couldn't shill it if I tried, but to, so I bought it for eight and a half, the floor price in a week, 12 ETH. Um, it, it's, it, and it's going up, it's skyrocketing. It's one of the, it's one of the most- uh, Yeah, tell delicious. me it's a bubble without telling me it's a bubble. <laughs> yeah, see, I told you you're gonna roast me, but hey, profits speak for themselves. That's how you know you're in the NFT community when you start saying, yeah, it's like 12 ETH. I, I got this video recommended to me the other day. Uh, for, it was like FaZe Banks, he's like, Oh yeah, bro. I saw Logan Paul. He posted something. I told him take that down, man. He put it up for like 250 ETH. I told him like put it up for like 375 ETH. Next thing you know, 400 ETH. It's like it's like okay. Yeah. Well, it's, you know it's what's a big deal when you start talking about things in ETH. It's no longer dollars. How many ETH does that cost? <laughs> that means we need it. My rent today is uh, my rent every month is one ETH. Hey, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say long term. I think this year. Uh, Anything that's concerning with the metaverse is like the buzz thing, which, which again, you could say that, you know, it, there's a difference between investing and speculating. And in some ways with these NFTs, you are speculating what you could say in the long term, within 10 years. I mean, Jeremy, there's cops behind you. They're coming to get you. <laughs> I will say metaverse NFTs that are going to, they're going to be a big play in the next, you know, five, 10 so, years. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of this nft money is taken away from bitcoin like i do wonder like what would bitcoin be at today if like let's just say nfts didn't exist because you're you're out here buying these nfts right andre yeah. that yeah. might have been money if nfts didn't exist you were putting into bitcoin right now right so um, i don't um, know i feel like i guess it depends on what you're buying I, I don't know how much nfts are responsible for taking that stuff away but Probably to some degree, but you could say that the same thing about altcoins, right? How many altcoins are there in the market? I don't, I don't know what Bitcoin's dominance is right now, and you could check on coin market, yeah. but it's probably over fifty percent. Maybe I'm wrong. No, for sure. It, it just seems like NFTs have zapped a lot of. Um, I don't want to say the interest away from uh, like Bitcoin. Sorry. Bitcoin's dominance is 40 percent. So yeah, so definitely altcoins have definitely taken away a huge portion. Because if you look. A couple of years ago, Bitcoin's dominance was like in the 80% plus range. So um, definitely has a lot to do with it. And I think I think NFTs are taking away a lot of the, the Bitcoin. Because think about it, right? You just 4X your money in like snap of fingers. You're not getting a 4X on Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not going from 40K to 160 tomorrow or the next four weeks or whatever. You just made that ROI. And so imagine how many people are thinking like you, you know, the other creators out there and, and people that are up and up on this stuff, right? That are like... Dude, Bitcoin, that's old news. Like, you know, Bitcoin, maybe it goes to 100K over the next two years. Okay, so I make, you know, uh, a little over a double up, right? Like a two and a half times my money. Dude, I can make that in a week on an NFT. 
Wait, wait, you're saying that Bitcoin going from 40 to 200 is two and a half times? No, to 100. Oh, to 100, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. to 100. Got so, it. you know, that, that's where I think people are just looking at that and they're like, okay, you know, I, and that's like a good case scenario, right? And they're like, dude. So I'm, I'm confused. Is that an argument against buying them or, or you're saying, I'm not sure I follow. The, what I'm talking about is, is the concept of money going toward NFTs versus Bitcoin. And maybe yeah. Bitcoin would be a lot higher today if it wasn't for NFTs because of how many folks are thinking like you and are making yeah. killing on, on NFTs. And they look at Bitcoin. It's like, dude, that's old news. Why, why would I put, why would I put my money in Bitcoin when I could buy this NFT that's going to forex over the next two months? I mean, possibly, I don't know how much that applies to any asset class, you know, whether it's stocks or anything else. It's like it applies. Uh, 7%, I'm like, do crypto, whatever. Like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. what that's saying, but. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it for sure it applies. You know, it, I have a finite amount of money to put in the market, right? Yeah. And I could put my money in, in this stock or that stock. So couldn't a fund manager, they could put it in Apple stock or, or yeah. growth stock or whatever, right? Um, yeah. So as you have a finite amount of money that, you know, if something has so much interest from people, right? Like yeah. in the crypto community, NFTs have the buzz. They have that thing. It's going to take away attention. It's going to take away dollars from Bitcoin. It's taking away your dollars right now from Bitcoin. <laughs> I think in some they, ways, it also, I think in some ways it also grows the market because you get people, for example, like the VV platform, who which has you know licenses and brands for you know Marvel and Cartoon Network and all this crazy stuff and. If I'm not somebody who cares about Bitcoin, but I love my favorite action figures, I might want to buy an NFT. I guarantee you there's there's tens of thousands of people last year and this year probably that came on to the market before they got onto any cryptos. Like they got onto NFTs first. So, I mean, I don't know. You could make the opposite argument and say that it's also growing and expanding the market purely because of the art aspect of it. So I don't know. Yeah, 100 percent. I do wonder if it's going to pull more people toward Ethereum rather than Bitcoin, right? Because you're not doing the transactions in Bitcoin, you're doing them in Ethereum. So I do wonder if that just gives Ethereum kind of this extra edge where it's yeah. like, well, I, I will say that if anything, um, more so than than like the dilution, I will say that the strength of the dollar usually over a long period of time, if you look at it on a macro level, um, and Bitcoin's price, they move in opposite of each other. So when the Bitcoin, uh, when the dollar's strong, then Bitcoin is usually going down and vice versa. When the dollar's strong, Bitcoin's going down, Bitcoin's going up and the dollar's weak. So I, I would say if anything, it's more of that kind of a correlation in you know opposites. Uh, in my last video, I did the thing about it and I showed a graph. It was really interesting. If you look at it over like, you know, the last 10 years, it's really cool. So uh, with this, so, so, so to, to Kevin's point, I think uh, with, with all of this quantitative easing or, or, or rather increase the interest rates, this should strengthen the dollar. Um, so it, it should, if anything, has has an opposite effect on Bitcoin's price. So all these incre in, increase in interest rates hopefully makes sense why the price is going down too. Ooh, okay. Hey, before I divulge my top five stocks for 22, I, let's play a little round robin game here, okay? You guys got to tell me what top five stocks I'm going to pick here. All right, Graham, what, what top five am I going to say oh, here? This is so easy. I got first. I know it's going to be Tattooed Chef. Okay. Tattooed Chef. Okay. Uh, that's that. You don't have the other four, though, huh? Uh, no, I know the other one's Honest. Okay. That's one of them. Wow. I, I think I got all five. All Let's right, go, Kevin. Kevin. What's the five, baby? I have not been watching your videos, but I think it's TTT, TTCF, honest. Then I think uh, OpFi Corsair, uh, so the fintech and then and then Corsair. And then I'm torn between either Planet 13 or Beyond Meat. Yeah. Oh, I say Beyond uh, Meat. Beyond Walgreens. Meat. <laughs> no, that's over. <laughs> wow. Wow. See, this is because I, I honestly couldn't tell you guys what your top five were, you know, so you guys know my stocks well. Yeah, obviously the chef's going to be up there. Uh, massive expansion coming in Target and uh, retailers across the United States this year. And they're going to pick up analyst coverage. There should be five to ten analysts covering the stock by this time next year versus we just got an extra analyst. So now there's three. So we're we're getting up there, baby. Um, yeah, honest, account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honest is one. Honest is Honest is one of the safest stocks, I feel like, in the stock market, not just next year, but over the next several years. Um, planet, you already know the planet. 
uh, mm -hmm. big expansion, uh, multiple stores coming in 22 and the Orange County store. This is going to be their first summer with the Orange County store open, which I think is going to be big. Uh, I think travel restrictions are going to come off this summer. I think Rona number is going to go like this starting in February, going into the spring. Mass mandates are going to go away. I think that's going to be good for planet. Uh, Smile Direct Club. No, you, no, you guys got Ooh. that one. It's a high risk, high reward. It's the highest risk, highest reward stock I have. Um, that I've been buying recently is two bucks. It's a two buck chuck, and uh, they need to they need to get revenues back in the right way, and they need to fix their cash flow situation. They do that, and that baby's to the moon. And lastly, oh man, this is tough. The last one, I don't know, man. I can't I can't pick the last one. I can't do it. I don't know. PayPal. I'll go PayPal because I want to pick a wow. stock that I actually own. PayPal. Okay. I think PayPal's way undervalued right now for if you're mm. looking for a large cap. So that you know what's I interesting? Uh, because I looked up the members of Congress stock trade. It, PayPal, I believe, was one of the top five that members Ooh. of Congress were investing. I would love to know the exact top five, especially if we had it in order. That would be interesting. Hold on. Oh, well, I have a link somewhere. If you guys uh, come back to me in a second, I'll be able to. Hey, Mario, you're frozen again. Oh, no. <laughs> Darn it. There. Thank you. <laughs> you, were, you were buying put options on those stocks, weren't you, Kevin? <laughs> That's why Sorry. you froze it. <laughs> 100K short term. 100K short term. Uh, Kevin, I'm, I'm sending you the link if you want to put it up on screen. This is it. This should have all the data. All right. This is it. Oh. I wonder if I could, <coughs> can I sort? No. Wait. How, I think, how could oh, they wait, not scroll down. Scroll down, I have Kevin. a sort button here. It's a ripoff. <laughs> yeah. uh, activity. Yeah, you can see activity last 60 days. I think there's a most traded there. Stocks, Stocks most bought. bought last 60 days. Yeah. Uh, there's PayPal Holdings. I don't know a PayPal holdings. I only know PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> Our PayPal Microsoft, wow. up there. Microsoft, though. Okay, at the top. Is it? Yeah. Jeez. Stocks most sold. Apple. <laughs> Apple's yeah, I like the bigger ones, by the way, are all Nancy Pelosi. Salesforce, <laughs> Salesforce uh, Alphabet, and Roblox. I think we're all, and Micron. We're all Nancy Pelosi. This Microsoft is interesting because it's 31, uh, 31, 115 uh, bought, but 31 out. So, like, th this kind of nets out almost. Yeah. I know, right? That's mm. weird. Somebody's, somebody's day trade in Microsoft in Congress. <laughs> Can we make an actively managed ETF fund that just tracks a, some kind of parameter of Congress? That would be kind of fun. The MAGA that ETF. Somebody made that. <laughs> MAGA ETF? Uh, what is it tracking? Uh, probably Dwack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that, that's the only stock it's tracking. Oh, my goodness. You guys think there's any major risk to the market? You heard Elon Musk talk about uh, recently a possible recession in 22. You guys He's think wrong. there's any major risk? He's wrong. Someone will end up being right one of these days and they'll look like a genius, but I'm not hearing timelines. I need to know timelines because I, I can say the same thing. Market's going to crash. Yeah. When? <laughs> Give me a time. Uh, no time soon. <laughs> well, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. Elon Musk would come out and say that, isn't it? Like, you know, is he just talking crazy or does he see something in his business that's worrisome? It, it did lead me to... Yeah, I did go to Google Trends and I did type in Model 3 and Model Y and the, the demand for Google Trends for those two vehicles has gone like this in the United States. Okay. And I don't and know. the Cybertruck delivery date got removed too. Like it, it said 2022 or sometime and then they just removed the date recently as well. So it's like postponed indefinitely. Mm, yeah. You know, there's an unfair advantage Tesla stock has. I was thinking about this last night is um, how many... Like publications cover Tesla stock specifically and Tesla the company, 
there's no other company in the stock market that even has anything remotely like Tesla has its own propaganda machine. It's a thing of beauty, yeah. like the amount of massive YouTube channels just around Tesla. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it's there's always so much excitement. Anything bad just gets buried very quickly. Because you have this like giant propaganda machine. It's it's uh it's interesting. We'll see if any company can ever duplicate that. I think the same is true for Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's a religion at this point. It's it's yeah. it's like it doesn't matter what happens to it. It it it's just like people just believe in it. And as long yeah. as there's a couple people believing in it, it'll never go to zero. And it's become a religion, it's become a cult. So I mean, yeah, same, same Tesla effect. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Alrighty, guys, we got anything else we want to talk about tonight, or are we taking it home? What do you guys think? Should we take it home? Let's take it home. Let's, do it. Let's take it home. Guys, subscribe. And that way you can hold us accountable so that next week at 6 p.m. exactly, you'll see us here. You'll see us here live, 6 p.m. So subscribe, keep us accountable. And if we're not, if, if it's 6.01, call us out and we will apologize. Also, make sure to hit the like button. Use the links down below in the description. You may as well get your free stock on public. They're not sponsoring this. It's just for a fan. Put their link down there for you guys if you want a free stock. Thank you so much for watching, and until next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.